0: This is the Institute for Music Leadership. Okay. Jeepers. Here we go. Here's Ashley. Hi, Ashley. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm fine. I'm in the uh, I'm in the IML office today, and I'm in like this the weird back part where there's like fire extinguishers <laughs> and a giant E on the wall. I for... recognize that. Yeah. Oh, dude. Okay. <laughs> I think that was before my before my time here. Um, great, great, great. Um... Welcome to another episode of Create, Inspire, Lead. Today, I'm talking with Hello. Ashley Danu.
1: I am Ashley Daniel.
0: And Ashley does a lot of stuff.
1: I am a musician, an educator, and an entrepreneur, or a musicpreneur, as we're starting to call it.
0: Entrepreneur or musicpreneur sort of glosses over the myriad things Ashley seems to do. And we'll get into her portfolio in a little bit, but first, a little more about Ashley. Ashley was born and raised in Georgia, and she grew up playing piano and singing in choirs. I
1: knew from a really early age, probably 12 or so, that I wanted to go into music and more specifically go into church music.
0: So the logical choice was to go to college to study organ and piano, oh, and voice. And because she needed to keep busy.
1: I got my first church job my sophomore year. And then I started branching out and doing some accompanying and private teaching as well.
0: And by the time Ashley came to Eastman for her master's, she was now an accompanying major
1: but I switched into music education my second year when I realized that there was more that I wanted to do than just a company. And I've always been multi-passionate and interested in all different kinds of work, but I recognized at that point, I think, that music teaching and learning was kind of the common thread through everything that I saw myself doing.
0: After graduating, Ashley moved to a small rural town in Massachusetts with her now husband, Steve, and enjoyed the slow pace of country life, right?
1: So I had a part-time job as director of music at a small church there. I started a piano studio. I started my blog at that point. We also started a summer chamber music festival. I was also adjunct teaching at the local college teaching class piano.
0: But being the town musician eventually took its toll.
1: And then I got burnt out pretty quickly. Um, We were working all the time teaching and writing and planning, uh, writing grants, uh, trying to build our
0: careers. Ashley realized to be the best teacher she could be, the thing she was truly passionate about, she'd need to go back to school. So she and Steve moved back to Rochester while Ashley worked on her PhD at Eastman. And while she did that, she also worked on slowly building up a studio here in Rochester, doing some part-time church job work, and all along she was blogging, something she'd started a few years back.
1: I started my website in 2010 when I finished my master's, and... I think it was just kind of a natural, it was a natural opportunity at that point to start writing.
0: Ashley always loved to write. She still keeps a journal to this day. So it made sense to keep a blog. Well, for herself, at first.
1: When I first started my blog, it was not meant for anyone else to read. It was kind of just for me. It was a way of documenting what I was doing, the work I was doing, and the things I was creating, and the things I was learning and experimenting with.
0: At the time Ashley started blogging, she was just starting a new church job. She was tasked with creating a children's choir, something the church hadn't had in almost 20 years. And in trying to set it up, she discovered, as is often the case,
1: The church didn't have any budget, so I was trying to piece things together. I just couldn't find a lot of information out there.
0: So Ashley started creating her own content. Rep lists, resources, rehearsal plans, and on and on.
1: And so I started creating my own, and then I started putting it on my blog because I thought, I want to have a place to go back and find this later (laughs) and look back on what I was doing.
0: And after a few years of posting this stuff to her blog, she noticed something.
1: I realized that it was connecting with other people. It was um, a way of serving and equipping other people who were called to the same type of work. And it was resonating with people. So I started shifting my focus to create a space where other church musicians and music educators can come for inspiration and ideas and tools that will help them in the work that they're doing.
0: And just like that, Ashley was on to her new venture. She kept up her blog, of course, but she also added all sorts of digital resources, templates, even some service music she had written as well as music for handbells. Do you, do you have a sense of, I'm sure you do, but do you know how many people sort of visit your your website or your blog? Sure. I great. mean, it's
1: seasonal. Um, I, I get some spikes during certain times of the year, as, as you might expect. But uh, it tends to be between mm, forty and 60,000 page views a month. Um, a lot of people land coming from Pinterest or Google. They're looking for one specific topic, and they find a specific post that I've written on that topic. So um, individual users is a little less than that, maybe like thirty to 35,000 a month.
0: And all the while, Ashley kept up many of the other things she was doing and even started some new projects, like her own podcast. And she's also getting ready to launch a new company with her husband. Even before the pandemic, she had a pretty hectic schedule.
1: So right now, my schedule looks a little different being from home, so teaching is taking up a little bit more time in my portfolio right now, Uh, but usually I start teaching around 2.30 in the afternoon and I teach until 6.30 or 7 each day. So that's pretty much Monday through Friday afternoons. So I get maybe three to four and a half, three to four and a half hours a day, I would say, on other projects.
0: Ashley uses the morning for blog posts, recording podcast episodes, research, or building the new site for the series of online courses she's developing with her husband, Steve.
1: I usually have one big project that I'm working on at a time. So right now that's, that's kind of been our big project. If I'm writing a course, that's kind of my focus. And then uh, everything else kind of I keep to a minimum just so I can focus on, on that big project. And then as things kind of rotate, then, you know, content creation will come into play. And that'll be my big project is getting ahead in, in content creation or recording a, a new podcast episode every day for a week or something like that. So I, I tend to kind of batch it and work um, in rotation like that.
0: One thing you may notice that's missing from Ashley's portfolio at the moment is a church job. In just a moment, we'll talk about why that is and what Ashley's experience in various church jobs has taught her and how they informed her website and subsequent ventures.
1: All of it's been shaped by my own experiences growing up in church, watching my own teachers and music directors at work, um, and then learning about church music ministry and music education, kind of being out in the field.
0: More after a short break. The Master of Arts in Music Leadership degree is designed for musicians who seek to lead traditional and or non-traditional musical arts organizations. This 14-month degree program uses an integrated approach to develop and hone both artistic and managerial skills for the next generation of music leaders. It combines intense classroom study, courses from Eastman's rich performance and scholarly offerings, and hands-on experience through internships and mentorships. You can visit our website to learn more about the program, and while you're there, you can also explore the dual degree program with Simon Business School that offers students the opportunity to earn the MA in music leadership in combination with an MBA. And you'll also discover how DMA and PhD students can add music leadership as a minor. Just visit the IMO website at iml.esm.rochester.edu. Welcome back. So. As I mentioned, Ashley currently doesn't have a church job, and we'll talk a little more about why that is, but first, let's talk about church gigs for a minute. So a church job can mean different things depending on your instrument. For organists, it could be that you solely play the organ. Or, again, for organists and also conductors, maybe you're a music director in charge of a staff of other organists and conductors. Or maybe you're it— You're the organist, the choir director, the children's choir director, handbell director, and on and on. Singers, maybe you have a church job you dutifully report to on Sundays, sometimes with a midweek rehearsal thrown in. Brass, winds, strings, percussion—you might play for big holidays, Christmas, Easter, things like that. And depending on where you are in the country, this could be a large part of your income, or it could be gas money, or somewhere in between. Now, we could certainly do a show about what it means to be a singer or orchestral musician with a regular church job, but in today's episode, when talking about a church job, we're talking either assistant director or director of music. And for some people, transitioning from the practice room to a bona fide church job, all of the other stuff you suddenly become responsible for, it can be overwhelming. You have to pick rep that's appropriate for the musicians you have, schedule rehearsals, plan concerts, make seating charts, keep track of your music library, deal with clergy, create and maintain a departmental budget, deal with all sorts of personnel issues, uh, meet with families to help plan a funeral or a wedding, and on and on, all before you can sit down at a piano or organ and actually practice. Fortunately, Ashley wasn't totally shell-shocked when she got her first church job.
1: I had the opportunity growing up to intern with the music directors at my church during high school, so I actually got a full behind-the-scenes look at what went into running a music ministry at a, you know, mid-sized church, including, you know, what it looked like to prepare for those weekly rehearsals and managing a team of people and the administrative work and copying and collating and doing mailings and running training meetings and leading children's choirs and directing cantatas and music library. all
0: the things But even that preparation Ashley got didn't prepare her for everything. Depending on the job, there were often new challenges that arose. Sometimes she'd have to play contemporary church music from lead sheets. Uh, sometimes there wasn't an organ, so she had to jump on piano. And at one church, they wanted handbells.
1: I think Um, our church had borrowed a set of handbells because they didn't have a handbell choir but they wanted handbells for something for Christmas or something like that and they put a little group of people together and I kind of just taught them the basics of ringing so I learned the basic motions but I didn't know anything about assigning bell parts or choosing music or how to teach bells to someone who doesn't read music or anything like that
0: Ashley had one of the most frequent conversations uh, that many musicians find themselves having uh, over the course of their careers.
1: Do you have any experience? Yeah, a little bit, but we'll figure it out as we go.
0: The other thing about a church job is the time commitment. If you're able to find something that is full-time and supports you financially, then it's probably fine to devote most of your time to that job, if that's what you want. But a lot of church jobs are part-time, except... Part-time doesn't always mean part-time.
1: It is always more than it is on paper. And so on paper it might come out to be a 10 hour per week job, but that doesn't include any practicing time, any time looking for repertoire, any professional development time. Uh, Even sometimes committee meetings and that kind of stuff is all extra. And so yeah, it becomes a 15 to 20 hour a week job instead.
0: And this is often true of a lot of freelance work, right? Someone wants to hire you to play at their wedding, for example, and suddenly they balk at your fee. They're seeing 50, 100, 200 to sing or play a 5-minute piece, whereas you're seeing the hours of practice, maintaining your instrument, transportation, the time you spend sound checking, rehearsing, and just waiting around to play. In a church job, there's that, but all of these added elements of a larger organization on top of it.
1: A lot of it is outside of just the traditional like show up and play hymns for worship, or uh, choose music for the choir.
0: And so that brings up another issue that can sometimes arise with a church job.
1: Yeah, I think just in exchange for your time, when you start thinking beyond getting paid just for your time, so in a church position, you're pretty much gonna be capped at a certain salary, and it's gonna be based on a certain number of hours that you put in, and so even if you go above and beyond and you put in extra time, you're not gonna be compensated for that.
0: Now, that depends a little bit. So if you're salaried and exempt from overtime, then yes. If you work more, you won't necessarily be compensated more. But also, what constitutes work within your church job? I mean, church jobs usually aren't paying you to practice or even necessarily to research rep or lesson plan or stay 30 minutes after a rehearsal to listen to a volunteer choir member complain about sitting next to so-and-so and services. Generally, they're about the same length every week, but what about when you get that guest preacher who won't stop talking? Or feast days or holidays, all the additional setup and prep and the breakdown and cleanup that comes after. That's why even part-time church jobs are hard to track, even if you report hours. And that's not even taking into consideration budgetary woes.
1: Uh, There's no guarantee that you're going to get a raise every year. I think I've been in a position where I got a raise for one year out of all the years I've been church music uh, because there's always, you know, a budget freeze or something happening where, you know, we can't offer raises this year. So you're kind of trapped in that, you know, whatever you agree to is kind of where you might expect to live for a while. And that can be good depending on where you are in the country. Um, and it can be not so good depending on where you are in the country.
0: And that can be a big thing. So for example, when my wife and I had church jobs in New York City, um, both as singers, we typically got around $150 per call. So that meant if we sang an 11 a.m. service and then a 4 p.m. evening service, we'd make $300 that day each with no weekday rehearsal. And very often, freelancers we knew uh, would bounce around a little, uh, sing a temple service on Saturday, sing a Sunday morning service, then head uptown to sing an even song, and then back downtown to sing Compline. You could make a few hundred bucks over the weekend if you really hustled. And when we moved to Rochester, the average fee was closer to $60 per call, almost always with a weekday rehearsal as part of the fee. And on top of that, if having a church job fulfills your spiritual side, you may have to be flexible. You might end up at a Catholic church or in a Lutheran or Methodist congregation. It could be a very liberal or very conservative church. You may not get to choose a church that is your own denomination or one that espouses your ideals. And okay, I know it sounds like I'm bashing on church jobs, and I'm not at all. My wife's family actually has quite a few church musicians in it. Um, My mother-in-law was an organist and choir director for over 30 years. Uh, My sister-in-law runs a music program at a cathedral down in North Carolina, and even my wife is a music director at a church here in Rochester. It can be very fulfilling work, and depending on where you are, it can be quite lucrative as well. Both my old boss and my wife's old boss in the city had pretty good salaries for New York, and they got free housing as part of their contract, which in New York City is where like two-thirds of all of your money goes anyway. But for Ashley, after weighing all of the things she wanted to do, it wasn't quite the right thing for her right now.
1: So I think um, for me, I I kind of always knew it was going to be part-time work in my portfolio, if anything, because trying to find a full-time church job, especially in this area, is, is more challenging. And I knew that that there were other things I wanted to do with my with my time. I wanted to teach, and I wanted to write, and and have time to work from home and work on my own creative projects. And if I was doing a full-time church position, it would hinder me from doing some of those other things. So I think. I saw potential for being able to grow my career in other directions if I were to take that, the accompanying church piece out.
0: Sometimes it's really important to understand how that thing you're passionate about realistically fits into your overall plan. For example, my wife loves singing, but the few months where she was solely a freelance singer in the city were some of the most soul-sucking months of her life. And she's now figured out a way to balance her passion for singing with her other interests in a way that feeds her soul and her wallet in a more simpatico way. And so did Ashley.
1: But I think for me with the blog, one of the things that I recognized going through that first couple of years of kind of just blogging for myself and then realizing that there were other people out there that uh, were benefiting from what I was sharing Was that a a lot of people were struggling with the music education piece of the job. And I realized that that's kind of where my passion was, is the intersection between church music and music education.
0: Ashley saw an opportunity to offer her expertise as an educator to a community of other church musicians. She took her passion for both education and church music and found a way to marry the two. And even though she was stepping back from her church position, it wasn't a total career change. It was kind of a pivot. Exactly. Yes, it was a quick pivot, one foot still in the church music world while she spun to grow her studio and her websites.
1: You know, now I'm at 22 students um, meant that I had to, you know, free up some space in my career somewhere, my portfolio, um, to be able to devote more time to my blog and and building up those educational resources. So at the time, uh, stepping away from that church position was just kind of a pivot you know, stepping away from accompanying and and more of the performance side to focusing a little bit more on teaching and training and, and educational resources for others.
0: And ultimately this is totally in line with how a young Ashley pictured her career back in the day.
1: Yeah, I think I always wanted to do multiple things. So I didn't know to call it a portfolio career at that point in time.
0: She always saw herself being a church musician in some small respect, but also as a teacher and accompanist, maybe playing in a duo or playing for choirs in the community.
1: So I kind of always pictured, you know, doing at least three things like that, maybe gigging on the side and playing for weddings and things like that. That was something I was doing by the time I was finishing my undergrad degree.
0: And this helped keep things exciting for Ashley.
1: I liked doing multiple things because I I felt like it kept me fresh. It, It kept me creative and inspired and I still feel like that today that it keeps me from burning out on one thing. So I don't burn out on teaching because I'm not teaching all day every day and I don't burn out on writing because I'm only writing for a couple hours each day in the mornings. Um, and I don't burn out on accompanying because I don't do it all all the time. It's not something that I feel like is is demanding my of my time. So I think having a balance of different types of work has always kind of been my ideal and it's something that i've found fulfilling
0: and this approach has led to a varied, well balanced and fulfilling career so far and when i was talking with ashley she seemed so self-assured and confident in what she was doing it seemed like she always had a pretty strong sense of what she wanted to do and maybe even how she'd get there so I don't think she's surprised by the way her career looks now, but she still has a bit of advice for others just embarking on their careers.
1: I would say, and I wish that somebody had told me this early on, I would say everyone's path is going to be different. And your career doesn't have to look like your friend's career or your teacher's career or what your parents think a music career looks like or anything else. There's so much that you can do with a music degree and music is a creative art after all. And so think about all the different creative skills that you have as the person, as a musician, but as an artist and as a teacher and as a leader, and how to integrate all of those things into something that is unique to you. And that's that's the core of your career. And then you build upon that. So find what makes you really come alive, what makes you unique, find that passion that you know, for me was the intersection of church music and music education and then go live there and create there and, and build something from that.
0: Special thanks to Ashley Danu for taking the time to answer all of my long-winded and circuitous questions. She was exceedingly kind and a real pleasure to talk with. If you want to learn more about Ashley and read her blog, you can find more at ashleydanu.com. We'll have a link to that in the show notes. Also, check out her podcast, Field Notes on Music, Teaching, and Learning. They're these really great short 10 to 15-minute episodes for music educators. You can find that and subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And finally, if the last name Daniel has been sounding familiar this episode, yes, Ashley is married to Steve Daniel, who teaches a number of courses for the Arts Leadership Program. Ashley and Steve have started a new website, Musician and Company. Their mission is to provide an innovative model for bridging the gap between the practice room and a profitable business. You can find out more by going to musicianandcompany, all spelled out, no spaces, dot com, and we'll have that link in the show notes as well. Uh, so our student workers have just finished a long fall semester, so they are all off on a very well-earned break. Um, thank you so much to Francis Inzenhofer and Emma Geerzal for all that you do for this show. Uh, I can't tell you how much I already miss your incredible work. Um, since they are on break, today's episode was mixed by me, Steven Bigner, Outro music was composed by Alexis Silverman, and I did the intro and incidental music. Uh, We also heard Steve Daniels' arrangement of Still, Still, Still for Bell Choir, which was conducted by Ashley. As always, if you have questions, comments, ideas for an episode, or you want to collaborate, you can send me an email, or you can comment on our SoundCloud page. You can also follow the IML on Facebook or subscribe to our SoundCloud page to get updates about future episodes. Go out, make art, and do good work. From the IML, I'm Stephen Binger. Until next time.